Bibles and turn to James 4, James chapter 4 tonight. Hard to believe it's our seventh Wednesday uh, studying through the book of James. Seems like we just started a couple of weeks ago. I guess that's what happens when you get old. Some of you are older than me, Brother Campo. is that right? When you get old, things just seem like they're... See, Darren, you're older than him. It just, just seems older as you go. But uh, praise the Lord uh, for the opportunity to, uh, to open his word together again tonight and uh, look together with me. We're going to look at verses 8 through 12, just a small portion of Scripture as our text tonight. Uh, and we, we spent uh, a year, uh, I guess it was two years ago, uh, our theme uh, for our church, we based on this passage of Scripture, and uh, we spent uh, several services talking about this passage and looking at it, but I want us to, uh, to look at it again tonight as we work our way here through the Word of God. In James chapter 4 and verse 8, draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn. And weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil of one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge." There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Let's pray together. Lord, we are needy people. Lord, we have needs, we have hurts, discouragements. Lord, as that words that old song goes, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Lord, the world, the flesh, and the devil, working overtime, trying to draw us away from you and to your purpose, trying to get us to get farther away from righteousness and holiness, tempting us to wander away from your word and our relationship with you, with your word, and with the local church. Lord, tonight I pray that as we examine scripture here this evening, Lord, that we would desire to come near that we would get closer, not farther away. Lord, that's not going to happen accidentally. That happens on purpose. And Lord, would you give us that purpose tonight? God, would you give us direction as we look in your word? Would you help us? God, we need you. God, I need your help tonight to teach and write your truth. Lord, I pray that you would lead my mind. Lord, I pray you'd be with my lips to give me the words to say that would be a help. Lord, I pray you'd remove anything from my mind or my tongue tonight that would be hurtful to your truth, to your word. Lord, we just ask that you be glorified. Lord, that you'd change us, you'd help us. Lord, that we would be more like Christ for having come together tonight than when we, let, when we got here. Uh, bless us now. In your precious name we pray. Amen. I'm going to talk tonight about coming near to God the precept and the promise of it here in this passage, there is a, a precept that's, you know, something that we are to do. God says, come near to me. God wants us to come close to him. 
I had a roommate in Bible college. His name was John Brusky, one of my roommates. Uh, John looked like or looks looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's a he's a big guy, mountain of a guy. He was a I don't know, a fifth or sixth degree black belt. Uh, just a mountain of a man. And he used to break cement blocks uh, by the mic with his hand for fun. And uh, that's he was that kind of a guy. And uh, he was way too trusting of me, though, because John, and uh, he may be watching, and if you are, I love you, John. Uh, but he, every once in a while, you ever have a friend that would say stupid stuff or just do something kind of dumb? You ever have, like, Brother Maud does that when he's around me. Uh, but, but when he would do that, I would be like, John. And without fail, every time, God bless him, he'd lean over. And I'd smack him right in the head. Now, I didn't hurt him. I couldn't hurt him with a baseball bat. But I would be like, hey, John, huh? And I'd pop him. Uh, it's like, oh, don't do that. Now, God says, come in, not so he can smack us, but rather because God wants to be close with us. He has a purpose and a plan for us. It says he'll come near to us. Now, in one sense, we're always near to him. I'm not going to turn there tonight. But Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, we understand that we cannot get away from him. And that's a powerful thing. That's a wonderful thing, that we're in his presence. Acts 17, verses 27 and 28, that same understanding of our closeness. Uh, But in another sense, as we think about the holiness of God and the righteousness of God, as we think about some choices and decisions that we often make by our life and by our lifestyle. We sometimes get far away from our relationship with God. No, I can never leave him because he'll never leave me nor forsake me. But I can cause a problem in that closeness of relationship. Do you know there are people all across our country, all around our world today, that will sleep in the same room tonight as husband and wife, and yet they are as far apart as worlds are because that relationship is not right. There are folks that for convenience are together, but their hearts are not together. Oftentimes our hearts are not together with our Savior. And tonight I want to talk about this coming near to God. By nature, by our, our, the natural man is estranged from God. Our natural man uh, is estranged, but the amazing thing is God invites us, God urges us, and pleads with us to come to Him, to come to Him. Now, as believers, we have a great opportunity to come uh, closer to Him. Now, I want to if you, I want to give you a couple of verses here I want you to look at quickly. Hold your place here in James, but turn to the book of Hebrews over just a couple of pages. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Just three foundational statements before we begin tonight. Number one, we must come. If we're going to come close to God, we have to come in faith. We have to come in faith. 
The Bible tells us here, uh, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. So when I come, I have to come in faith, with faith, by faith. Number two, I have to come through Christ. Look at the Gospel of John with me. And we'll turn back to our text in just a moment. The Gospel of John and verse 14. John 14 and verse 6. And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, if we stop there, the world says Jesus is a way. The religious crowd says Jesus is a way. Jesus said, I'm the way. That's singular. And after the colon here, we, we understand it even better. It says, no man, not a good man, not a church member, not a moral man, not a, uh, a sacrificial man, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4.12 teaches us the same truth. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 teaches us the same truth. I have to come closer to God in faith, and I have to come through Christ. There is no other way. There's no other way. Number three, foundational statement tonight, we must come sincerely. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We need to come sincerely. 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 We come in faith, in faith through Jesus Christ, and we come closer as we come sincerely to him. The important thing is that we come near. And God guarantees here, God promises here, uh, that he will come and meet with us. Now, with those thoughts in mind, I want to give you a few points. Seven, I think, tonight uh, we'll get through this evening about this matter of coming to him. Number one tonight, come near to God just as you are and he'll receive you. We sing that song, a congregational song, just as I am. But do we believe it? Do we believe we can come to God as we are? Do we believe that God even wants us to come close to him? I'm not sure how many of you have ever had the privilege of smelling a skunk before. It is not a pleasant thing. Do they have skunks in the Philippines, Brother Mike? I want to move to the Philippines. Uh, they're disgusting. They, ugh. And by the way, they got some wicked claws. They got wicked fangs. They look like a sci-fi monster, really. If you got an up-close personal with them, they're wicked-looking creatures. But more wicked than their teeth and more wicked than those long claws that they dig and root with is that nasty weapon they carry around with them of scent. And it's vile. It's so bad. It's real bad. Now, if Brother Mike was walking down the street, minding his own business, 
kind of like he was driving last Wednesday night. And rather than a car jumping a curb and assaulting him, he had a skunk coming, pull his tail up, spray him. Now, if he got hit full force with skunk spray, Mike goes home. He knocks on the door. And Gina comes to the door. She opens the door and instantly closes the door. She's like, I don't want you. <laughs> Get out of here. I don't want you coming in here. You stink. Oftentimes, that's what we think of. We think God thinks that of us. We think God doesn't want us close to him. We think that God doesn't want us. In John chapter 6, and I, I read this very quickly for you tonight. John chapter 6 and verse 37 the Bible says, And the Father himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. You have, oh, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 6, verse uh, number 37. That was chapter 5. And the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out, even if they smell like a skunk. Now, it doesn't say that, by the way. But the principle is true. When we come to him, he doesn't say, nah, I don't think I want you. I don't think I like you. I don't think I want to be close to you. Rather, we can come to him. The Bible says, come unto me. He wants us to come to him. He will receive us. We see that truth there. There, there is an open door. Now, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to salvation, there is an open door until God shuts that door, as God did in, Noah, in Noah's day. God's the one that shut Noah in. God's the one that, that closed the door that was open for salvation. We're not talking about salvation tonight here. Uh, we're talking about a relationship with God, and that door will never be closed. Amen. Ever. Ever. I can come to him. Why? Because he's the one that opened the door. He's the one that desires that closeness. He's the one that wants to be close to me. Number two, I can come near to God confessing. Come near to God confessing your sin, and he will, not might, forgive you. Forgive you. Look at 1 John with me. Passages most of you probably know, but I want you to turn there with me. I want us to see it tonight to be reminded. 1 John chapter 1. In verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can I tell you how wonderful it is that God has forgiven and pardoned me? I'm going to pick on a really, really, really wicked man here tonight. His name is Bonnie Dingle. No, you're too wicked. I'm going to tell you a secret nobody knows about Bonnie, but I know. He's a sinner. He's a, he's a sinner, and, and God, God sees him as a sinner, and, and God said he deserves hell. He was guilty before God. And by the way, when I met Bonnie, that's where he was going. He was on his way to hell. But there's a day that Bonnie trusted Christ as his Savior. 
he was forgiven. Amen. By the way, if you're a Christian tonight, that's true of every one of us. God, how wonderful it is that God has taken my sin. He paid my debt. And on top of that, we have this, this open door policy with our God. We see there we can confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. What an encouragement. You know, so often we think, okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm dirty. God doesn't want me. Now I'm, I'm damaged goods. God doesn't care for me. Now I, I'm not the way I once was. I weigh right now, I weighed myself a week ago, and I weigh exactly the same thing. i got to fix that microphone, Brother Darren. This guy right here. Uh, I weigh exactly the same amount that I weighed when I got married back in 1853, I think that's right, 1997. Now, I will admit, I may have taken and, and shaped and moved things around a little bit in 27 years. Uh, I may have had more weight up here uh, when I got married and a little less weight right here. And uh, Since then, I've got the, the chest of drawers disease. How many of you have ever had the chest of drawers disease? That's when your chest moves down to your drawers. Uh, I've got that disease but I, I, I weigh the same thing as I, as I did, uh, but I, I'm a little bit older. I've got some wrinkles and a little softer than I used to be. Praise God, my wife still loves me, probably because her vision is not as good as it used to be. But God doesn't look at us and go, oh, you're not what you used to be. I remember, <laughs> I remember when, yeah, you, were, you used to be better. I don't want you anymore now. Rather, come near. Come near to God, confessing our sin, and He will. He will forgive. Look at Proverbs 28 with me. Proverbs 28 and verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Well, I'll tell you what a wonderful principle. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Number three tonight, come near to God with your trouble and he'll help you. I got a phone call from my favorite son-in-law last night. He called and said, uh, I need some help. Had a part broke on his truck. Rebecca was at my house. I was just getting ready for the mod. I was getting ready to sit down and have a meal. I had some homemade hot wings. Hallelujah. I was getting ready to just relax. But since I love my son-in-law, I we grabbed some tools and drove to where he was and uh, he may be the world's greatest mechanic. I think it was about 37 seconds it took him to get the part off. And we drove to the parts store, got another part. He put it back on, and he was gone uh, pretty quick. He was in trouble. Praise God, I was able to help. All I did was drive there and hand him a wrench and say, here, that's, there you go. But can I tell you that when we have trouble in our life, 
the right place to go is to God. But we often listen to the lie of the devil and say, well, you know, once you get things figured out, then you go back and have a close relationship with God. That's not the right idea, the right mindset. Rather, we need to come to God with our trouble and he will help us. The 50th Psalm, we see in verse 15 of that passage, teaches us that principle Psalm 50 and verse 15, and call upon me when everything's going good. If you turn there, I hope that's not what your Bible says. If so, you got a faulty Bible. It says, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. We have a promise of God that we can come near to him when we're in trouble. We want to run away from God when we're in trouble. That's our natural knee-jerk reaction. Years ago, they used to have in fake, uh, fake plants. They used to have, i got to get away from that speaker. Uh, they used to have uh, these little plastic vials with red liquid that had a scent. How many of you remember those? They're just little plastic red vials. When I was a little kid, I picked one of those out of a fake plant we had by our door. And because I was a stupid little kid, I went, I wonder what that tastes like. So I drank it. It tasted real bad. My mom saw me do it. I saw the look of sheer terror on her face. I knew what that terror meant. It meant I was going to go to the hospital. Us petrified of hospitals. You know why? Because they have needles in hospitals. I... It took 15 grown men to hold me down to get a needle in me until I was 15 years old. So instead of running to my mom, I'm in trouble. I've drank something I should not have drunk. I might be in serious trouble. I took off running outside the door. My mom took off after me. My mom is, is five foot tall, and my mom is not fast. Uh, she's trying to catch me. My mom would never have caught me. I'd still be running. She never would have caught me. But the guy that owns the farm next to us, his name is Clarence. And the Clarence is a big man. And uh, he, my wife, my wife, my mom hollered at Clarence, Clarence, get him! And I saw Clarence, big man farmer. He's coming after me. I'm running out across the, fa the farm field. I mean, I'm just giving her as fast as my little fat, little pudgy body can go. But I could not run Clarence. <laughs> Clarence got me. He picked me up. I'm screaming. He carried me back to my mom, put me in my mom's arms, and they took me to the hospital. Brother Mike, they didn't give me a needle. The doctor said, nah, he'll be okay. Just take him home. Praise the Lord Jehovah God. <laughs> but I didn't know that. My mom didn't know that. Mom wanted me to come to her. Why? I was in trouble. She could help me. Christian, why is it when we're in trouble we go everywhere except to God? Because we don't trust Him. Just like I didn't trust the hospital. Now, they can help me, but I thought, <laughs> I want to find some other way. So often, Christian, when you're in trouble, you want to find another way that fits your plan. But when I'm in trouble, 
I need to draw near to God and praise God. He will. He will help me. I want to read a passage to you very quickly here. In the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel chapter, four, uh, chapter 1, actually. If you want to turn there, 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 9. The Bible says, So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest... Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And as she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou would indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou have asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord. And returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Hannah had a trouble. Hannah was barren, and she went to the one who could answer. She went to the one that could do what no one else could do, and God heard her. Number four, and I've got to hurry here. Come near to God with your problem and he will undertake you. Come near to God with your problem, and he will undertake you. So often we don't want to bring our problems to God. Psalm 55 verse 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. We need to bring our burdens, our problems to the Lord our issues to the Lord. By the way, your problems are too big for you. They're too big for you. We, we think we can handle them. We, we think we can deal with them, but we can't. God's made it that way on purpose. Why? So we need him. You ever heard a little child, maybe your little children or grandchildren say, I do it. I do it, but they can't do it yet. They, they don't know how to do it yet. They, they're not skilled enough or strong enough yet. And you have to say, no, daddy will help. Mommy will help. But I do it. So often we look at God and say, I'll do it. I got it, God. But we don't. We have problems. 
Christian, every one of you here tonight, we all have problems. By the way, having a problem in your life is not a mark of being a bad Christian. It's a mark of being in this world of flesh. But God wants us to bring our problems to Him so we can undertake with us to help us, to encourage us. If we look at Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 37, in verse 14, the Bible says, And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. I love this passage. And Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel that dwelleth between the cherubims, thou art God, even thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Incline thine ear, O Lord, and hear. Open thine eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which I sent to reproach the living God. Hezekiah said, God, I got a problem. And he laid it out before the Lord and said, God, I want you to see my problem. I want you to see it. Why? Because he wanted God to deal with that problem he couldn't deal with. We look at verse 36 of the same passage. It says, Then the angel of the Lord went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and four score and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. I love that phrase, when they arose, they were dead. In other words, just a bunch of dead people. Now, did Hezekiah do that? But the, the armies of Hezekiah didn't do that either. It wasn't some mighty soldier that Hezekiah hired out, a hitman. He said, God, I got a problem. God, I... I can't deal with it. And God, you're, you're the God of all creation. And you can deal with it because I can't. And he did. Christian God is just as powerful as he was in Hezekiah's day. He's just as able to take your burden and your problem and undertake for you as he was for King Hezekiah. And I tell you, we can come near to God with our problem. And God will undertake. Don't despair. Turn to the Lord. How wonderful that truth. You know, perhaps you've asked others to help with your problems. We've all been there. By the way, sometimes, praise the Lord, we can encourage one another. We can bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to do that. But that's not always what we do. You've been let down by those that you said, hey, can you help me? Oh, yeah, I'll help. And where are they? And we think, ah, I'm not going to ask God because God will treat me just like that. God wants us to bring our problems. He wants to undertake for us. He can, he can meet it. There's nothing too hard for him. Luke, Luke 137, we see that. Number five tonight, and I hasten here, come near to God. Acknowledging your weakness, and he'll strengthen you. You know what we want to do? We want to go to God and say, God, look how strong I am spiritually. We want to flex our spiritual muscles. 
and impress God. We, we want to show off. Now, now think about this just for a moment. We think we're going to impress the God who said, let there be light. And it was so. The God who said, the earth is his footstool. We're not going to impress him. Rather than trying to impress God with our strength, we need to acknowledge our weakness before God. Why? So he can strengthen us. Isaiah 40, if you turn to Isaiah, you're already close there. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not? Neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We see the scripture here. God wants us to come to him and say, hey, I need some help. I need help. I don't have the strength. By the way, you do not have the strength without God. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but ye shall receive power. He didn't say, I'm going to expect you to be powerful enough. That thought right there, if you get a hold of that thought tonight, would change your life. He is the one who wants to empower you. He's the one who's able to empower us. He will strengthen us. We can come to him and say, I need some strength. My buddy had a Reliant K car. How many of you remember the Reliant K cars? They were the cartoon character of a car. If you ask any five-year-old kid to draw a picture of a car, you give that picture to uh, Lee Iacocca, and he would create the Reliant K car. I mean, it was just, it was the cartoon character of a car. Little square wheels, square box car. It was a piece of garbage. And before that car blew up, and it literally blew up, a piston went clear through the hood. It was epic. But before that car blew up, the alternator died. And we, it died on a Sunday. And Sunday night, our plan was... My buddy, his car, Jeremy, his car, the Reliant, he and I, I had a, I had a 1977 Ford Granada. We were going to drive from northwest Indiana all the way uh, down to West Virginia to visit family. And we are going to, I believe, I think it was a summer, we had five days anyway. And we were going to leave late Sunday night after we brought the kids back, our bus ministry, and we got back from Chicago, and we found out his alternator was gone, like toast, no good. Now, what we should have done, 
How many of you know what you should do and what you do do when you're 19 years old? They're two different things. What we should have done, Brother Gerald, I should have said, you know what, let's go back to the college and go to bed. We'll get up in the morning. We'll buy the part. I can change that car. I could change an alternator in five minutes, max five minutes. I could change the alternator on that car. I should have said in the morning, we'll put an alternator in your car. Then we'll drive home. But we were young, full of enthusiasm and stupidity. And I hatched a brilliant plan. I said, hey, I said, we can do it. I said, here's what we're going to do. I said, we're going to hook the jumper cables for my, I had a 302 V8 in my Ford Granada. I think that 302 made about 120 horsepower. It was gutless. But we hooked the jumper cables up to his battery. We charged his battery fully with my car, my alternator. We unhooked the battery cables. I had him, we had, by the way, it was about a, about a 700-kilometer trip. And I had him start out on the highway. I had him drive uh, in front of me with his lights off at night on a highway. And Brother Campa, you probably driven up highway, uh, uh, Interstate 65, north. We were driving there on south and 65, middle of the night, no lights on his car. And the plan was we had one of the guys riding with him had a little flashlight. And he was, and the reason we had the lights off, we're trying to use as little power as we could from the battery. And he had his job, the guy riding, was to watch with a flashlight to watch the, the battery gauge, the voltmeter, and see when it was dropping really low. And it was dropping real low. He was supposed to turn around and flash the light back at me so I knew, okay, the battery's going to die. And then we pulled over on the side of the road. I pulled up. We hooked the battery cables up to his car, juiced the battery back up, started again. And as you may expect, uh, the trips got shorter and shorter as we got closer. More often, we had to stop. Uh, it was a stupid plan. It was idiotic. Uh, we, sh we could have died, but we made it. We got, we got there, and I called his dad at my house, and he called his dad and said, Dad, I need an alternator. The, the car, the alternator was bad. We drove it with Brian's car. He told the story. His dad, like, you're an idiot. That didn't happen. Nothing wrong with your alternator. Guess what? Alternator was dead. We used my alternator on my car, kept two batteries going for 700 kilometers. Now, can I tell you that God is ultimately powerful? He can meet your need. He can strengthen you. I can come near to him acknowledging, Lord, I need to shine that flashlight and say, hey, God, I, I need some help. I need you to, to give me some power. I can come near to him. He'll strengthen me. Number six, come near to God seeking guidance, and he will lead you. Look at Proverbs 3. Proverbs chapter 3. We can come near into him as we spent a year looking uh, two years ago in our church at this matter of coming near to God. We can come, and we can come seeking guidance, and God will lead us. Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Can I tell you, you can, we can seek God and guidance in many areas of life. 
You know, we think was, okay, if it's some really, really, really big thing, okay, God, I want to talk to you about something. I remember my pastor telling the story. He said that he's in heaven now, but he said when he got up in the morning, he'd go out in his car and before he'd drive to the church. And he lived in the same town, the same side of town the church was in, same area. I mean, there's a, the quickest way would be those streets, and that's how you get there. But he said before he'd drive, he'd pray, and he'd say, God, would you lead me the direction you want me to take today? I remember thinking, that's stupid. Just go the fastest way. But I realize as I'm getting older that we need to depend on God and direction in every area of our life. We need him. We need him. We need that direction. We need to lean on him. You know, guidance for, you know, should I move to this house or that house? Should I, uh, when it comes to relationships, should I, when it comes to finances and jobs and all those things in our life, we can seek his will and he will lead us. God's always, God is always more eager to guide you than you are to be guided. He's always more eager to guide you than you are to be guided. We can go to him and say, God, will, will you lead me? He's like, I've been waiting here. <laughs> I've been waiting to lead you once you come on. We can look at Genesis 24. We won't have time to look there tonight. Acts chapter 16, we can see how the Holy Spirit led Paul, led his colleagues. We can see very particular leading of God. And God will and can lead us if we will lean on him. We have wonderful promises in the book of Psalms. Psalm 25, verse 9. Psalm 32, verse 8. Psalm 37, verse 23 and 34. Psalm 78, verse 72. God will lead us. He will guide us if we seek his guidance. Lastly, we need to come near to the Lord at this very moment, number seven. We need to come near to the Lord at this very moment. Immediately. I was walking through the bush with a fellow named Wes Cavanaugh years ago. We were hunting up Spirit River area of Alberta. As we were walking along, I saw something and I realized it was a little, a little baby moose. They're cute little critters, even if they are weirdos. And we're looking at that little moose. And it was a cute little guy. About from here to that my, the stand, the violin stand there. And Wes was a right by where that plant is. I'm about right here. And all of a sudden, about five feet behind that little baby moose, Mama stands up. And she stands up and looks at us. I looked at Wes. I said, come here right now. Right now. Come, come. And he's like, I said, come right now. I said, you get where I am. You, you walk with me. We kept walking backwards. I said, stay right by me right now. 
He said, what's the big deal? I said, I saw her eyes. I said, she was considering stomping us into a mud hole. I said, if she decides she wants to do that, you better pray that I can stop her. I said, I'm not sure I can. I said, you come where I am right now. Christian, we need to come where God is right now. We need to get close to him. Look at Matthew 11 with me. A couple passages and we'll close here tonight. Matthew 11. Verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know, I on a Wednesday night, I, I, I think I know the testimony of most in this room, but the reality is there could be one here tonight that doesn't know the Lord as their Savior in reality and truth. You can come to him right now for salvation. That's right. Amen. Amen. But Christian, you and I as believers can come to him and find rest. Find rest. For our soul. The Bible's plain about that rest that he has for us. And we can come immediately. We can come right to him. In the book of Acts chapter 16. The Bible tells us. And brought them out and said. Sirs what must I do to be saved? And they said to the Philippian jailer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved in the house. Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We can come to him. Christian, tonight as well, we can come right to our God. We can be close to him. We can find all our needs met in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you, Lord, for allowing us to get close with you. Lord, the devil would try to get us to be far away. Our culture today would try to get us to be far from God and far from holiness and far from that which is right. Lord, I thank you tonight that as a believer, I have your spirit living in me, leading me and guiding me in all truth. And I have you calling me unto you to come closer. God, help me always to desire to be close. Thank you for the many blessings we saw tonight of coming to you and coming close and what you can do. Lord, I pray we'd simply do that. We'd come where you are. Lord, I'm looking forward to that day, that day that may be coming soon when the trumpet blows, when we hear those words, come up hither when we can come where you are forever, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. How wonderful that thought. Lord, bless us tonight. Lord, I pray you dismiss us with your grace. Lord, help us to show forth Christ. Lord, I pray you be with us as we gather as men this Saturday, uh, this first opportunity of the new year. And Lord, I pray you bless that time. Lord, be with us this weekend. Uh, Lord, may you be glorified. 
In your precious name we pray. Amen.